damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. Wait. Oh. What's that? That means it's recording, right? Is it recording? Oh. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that looks right. Oh, you're using GarageBand. I'm using GarageBand. <laughs> Look how to do it. Okay, wow. here we go. Wow. <clears throat> She's a woman! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's me, Miss Cracker. Maybe I shouldn't clap when I do, because that's going to be on there. Yeah, you don't like okay. that. You don't even like your hard peas, you know? Yeah, I don't even like hard peas. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like that you know okay here we go hello everybody it's me miss cracker and it's time for she's a woman it's a podcast for every human being who looks in the mirror and says she's a woman and the people that love them. Every week we're gonna talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their incredible stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that is what we're going to do today. I'm I'm glad. (laughs) Finally. I'm inspired, yeah. (laughs) It's like it's been two years that we've been waiting to do this and uh, I'm ready. So now here we are. This is our very first episode. So I first want to talk a little bit about why I started this whole thing. Um, And the reason I want to talk about that is because I am a drag queen, but let's face it, I am also a cis white male. And it's kind of like, why is she she doing this? Um, And the thing is, I I made this podcast because um, I feel that I owe everything that I have to women. Um, If you've seen my show, American Woman, which toured everywhere except for America, (laughs) oddly. Yeah, right. That was letting the world know about American women in case they didn't know. (laughs) Um, You know the deal if you've seen that show. Um, I was raised by women. My mother taught me to walk, first in flats and then in heels. My sister taught me to read bitches, and she's still reading bitches today. When I was in elementary school, my only friends were girls because they were the only people that would accept this like weird, like clearly gay kid. Um, when I was in high school, who took me to prom? Women. When I got out in the world, into college, who listened to me come out as if that needed to happen? Women. Who made my Drag Race audition tape? You did. Oh, I did, woman. yeah. <laughs> um, and you continue to manage my life mm-hmm. and... Also, when I go on tour, when that was still possible, um, I would look out in the audience and see that like 90% of the faces are mothers and daughters. And I'm like, I will be a stupid person if I don't make um, some kind of show for the people that are coming to see me. Do you know what I mean? Plus, you can't scream. She's a woman all the time and right. not, you know, exactly. I know, it would be yeah. rude. Yeah, I can't be like, she's a woman, and then make money off of that and then not, right? not yeah. give anything back. Yeah. So, like, this show is like my royalty payments. Right, to, exactly. Yeah, like, I borrowed your brand and now here, here's this. So, yeah, um, that's what I, I wanted to do is I wanted to honor uh, the women in my life with this. Having said that... 
my children. <laughs> I'll probably say this multiple times, but um, I want to be absolutely clear that this is a podcast that celebrates all kinds of women. Uh, we're going to be talking to straight women, lesbians and bi women, trans and cisgendered women, white ladies like me, black women, women of color, women who are comedians, bookstore owners, pilots and detectives. The whole point of this thing is to expand the way we think about women and not to narrow it um, and to celebrate every kind of woman that there is. And that's why I say it's a show for everybody who looks in the mirror and says, she's a woman! Um, because it really is. Yeah, That's right, yeah. So let's begin. <laughs> we are aware that the world is a dumpster fire. Um, and so we kind of decided to start this podcast out with a little thing called Here's the Good News. And I guess it's called a segment. A little thing, <laughs> a yeah. Little thing. I know. We started with a little thing, thing called Here's the Good News. And every week we're going to share, um, a, a, share a little <laughs> <laughs> good news with you guys. We need more of that. Yeah, we do. Caitlin, I feel like you're the, the backbone of this episode because you provided the good news. I did. Okay, I don't remember, but yeah. tell me. You yeah. provide the good news and you provided our guest for today, who I'm really excited. Oh, I did. That's excited. right. So yeah. you're like, really? Yeah. When it, on the podcast and they're like, produced by, like our producer was right. in the room. Yeah. That's it's you. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Executive producer. So, okay. Caitlin, here's the good news. Okay. In Finland's Helsinki airport... We've been there. We've been there, and we love it. There's a brand new security team that may look soft, oh but God. it's rough on COVID. Uh, did you come up with that? <laughs> I did okay, That's right. The airport welcomed four dogs: Cosi, Mina, Volo, and Et. Oh, you knew they. They have names. Names? Yeah. I didn't know that. These are not just nameless dogs. <laughs> to help figure out which airport customers may be sick with or are carrying the novel coronavirus. So Dogs do so much for do, us. Yes. Um, like, I, I thought about this, like, you and I watch a lot of murder shows. <laughs> we do. Like. We are. I say a lot of as, as if it's, like, not exclusively. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Only. And our favorite part is always, you know. The dogs working. Yeah, the dogs working. Cadaver dogs. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, tracking dogs and stuff like Blood that. Blood sniffing dogs. Blood sniffing dogs. Yeah. Is it's that always what like. they're called? Yeah. I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're calling them that now. <laughs> Exclusively for blood. Um, but yeah, here's another example of dogs being super helpful. Yeah. Um, and I'm they imagining deserve the world. <laughs> they do deserve the world and they're working in the world. Um, anyway, according to the Smithsonian, each passenger is invited into a private room where they use a wipe to dab their travel sweaty selves and then drop the wipe in a metal canister. The dog's trainer puts the can in a lineup with four others, and then the dog can go to work sniffing all five cans. He's going to figure it out, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> if the dog makes a signal like tapping on the ground at the traveler's sample, the dog gets a treat. Oh. So, because he's a good boy. Yeah. So, 
Around the world, uh, international airports have adopted all kinds of methods for COVID testing, including saliva screenings and temperature checks and nasal swabs. But doesn't this sound like it is the best way? The best. <laughs> and has it been successful? Yes, it's been very oh successful. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're, they're testing it for other airports as well. Yeah. So, that yeah. reminds me of the, um, I think it's a Minneapolis airport. Yes. they just have dogs. For travelers to pet, yeah, just like for endorphins, and they just stand yeah, there, and you just go, and it's just to like ease travel anxiety. They, it's the best. I don't know why that's not a common thing. Common thing. It's only <laughs> no. in Minnesota. Uh, um, I was wondering about that. I was wondering if you get to um, see the dogs, or if it's a separate room for the right. Dogs. They're just sniffing your like sweat rag, <laughs> <laughs> or do you get to interact and have a nice? dog time yeah i think you should be able to do that because <laughs> right? then you're really you're paying for two programs uh, with the same amount of money it's like exactly. comfort yep and covid fighting yeah. covid yeah so yeah dogs can do anything that's our lesson i do have to warn listeners that if you if you just hate dogs you can like not listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we are big dog people. We're big. Don't fuck with dogs. Yeah, that's, right. Oh. <laughs> that's the other name of our yep, podcast. Yep. Uh, she's a woman with Miss Cracker. Hashtag don't fuck with dogs. Because <laughs> a lot of our good news is going to be dog related. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. We already have some dog news lined up. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. No. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. We're back. So, uh, do you feel significantly like your life is a lot better? I do, yeah. Okay, well, good. Um, Because now we are done with Here's the Good News, and we are ready to bring on our guest, which you also found. Um, And I'm very excited for this guest. As soon as you sent me the link to this article about her, I was like, oh, we have to have her on She's a Woman. Oh, like, immediately. You didn't waste any time. Oh, no, exactly. I I was like, I was like... uh... I already emailed her. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Janine Cook is the founder and the owner of Harriet's Bookshop in Philadelphia, and it's named after her personal hero, Harriet Tubman. The bookstore amplifies the voices of women, people of color, and promotes new understandings of gender and sexuality. It has been hit hard by COVID like many small businesses, but it has also stood its ground and won the loving support of its community. So I am very excited to welcome Janine to the podcast today. I'm going to pretend that I don't love bookstores. Okay. (laughs) And that I don't completely understand uh, what you're doing just for the sake of this interview, if that's okay Okay. with you. (laughs) Um, So I want to ask you, uh, Janine, when did your love affair with books begin? When did you know you had a special connection with books? Uh, you know, it's funny. My memory is so jacked up, so I pull a lot from what people tell me. So my cousin wrote me um, when I had announced that we were opening a bookstore, and my cousin said um, he remembered when I was around five years old that they would they would try to take books from me, and I would cry. And I would, you know, fight back and be like, no, this is my book, you know. And so that's I don't remember, but he remembers clearly and they they still make fun of me about it. And so I maybe it started back then. Um, you know, my mother, my mother went blind when I was young. And so one of the things my sister reminded me of is that she used to read me books. We used to have all these fairy tale encyclopedia of, of fairy tales. And I do remember my sister reading to me when we were really young. 
Um, and then finally, I remember when I was probably about, I was way too young, but my sister, who's a very strange girl, she would, um, she, would be in the, she would be in the bathroom sitting in the dark with a flashlight reading the Bible. And right. when I'd be walking by, she'd be like, Jane, Jane, come here. I'm like, okay, okay. And like, she'd have me sit next to her and she'd read me um, the book of Revelations when I was like, I probably oh, wow. seven or eight. So I was like scared as hell. And she'd be like, and it, and it says there's gonna be seven seals. And I'm like, what are the seven seals? And she's like, and it's gonna be, you know, and so there's gonna be the trumpet sounding. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and so I remember how, <laughs> being definitely afraid of the stories um, that, was, that she was telling me. Um, but still would come back in the bathroom with her when she would call me. So there was something. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't tear yourself away from the, the power of stories, I guess. Yeah, I don't think any of us can. Yeah, and I, I hear this story about uh, you, like, protesting when people tried to take books away from you as a yeah. kid. And I feel yeah. like, in a sense nothing has changed because yeah, <laughs> you are you are not going to allow um books <laughs> to be taken away from you right now um yeah, they're taken away from us right like it right I can, it's, it's a very pivotal time i was saying to the intern that's that you know every dystopian novel when you when you look at them there's always this thing where books are this like either like sacred or they're banned or they're hard to get your hands on. And I'm like, I don't know what's to come or if that, if any of that is true, but I find it interesting that so many authors have seen that that way. They see the future that way. Yeah, well, because uh, so many people have in their, in their history um, a time when their story was a burned book. Yeah. Um, and it's something we can identify. I, I mean, as uh, a person of Jewish descent, I certainly, can look back on a time when uh, my stories were burned in the streets. Yeah, I had a boyfriend once. He, he burnt my. He burnt all my journals. He set them oh on goodness. fire. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing oh, wow. now, but I was I was devastated back then. I was like, yeah, but that's just the power of storytelling. Like he was he was that nervous about those stories that I was um, keeping in my journal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the thing is people will say that, oh, I don't get books or I'm not, you know, I don't see w what their importance is. I'm like, well, if they're not important, then why are they so important to get rid of? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if they're not important, why, why was it that, that slaves in America weren't allowed to read? Like, why was that right. so pivotal? Why, you know, I read that Harriet Tubman's cousin, she went back to go get, she, you know, she used to get her family um, when she would go back and she went back on a mission to get her cousin and found out that he had got 10 years in prison because they found one copy of Uncle Tom's cabin in his, in his, in his house or room or whatever. And I was right. like, wow, imagine what that, you know, again, like, why would it, you know, like people say it about voting too, like, well, why would people work so hard to suppress this if it, if it was so meaningless? Right. Yeah, and that's that's such an important thing to think about right now. Obviously, as we um, at the time of recording, we're heading into the vote, um, and it's just thinking about a lot of people are like, "Oh, my vote doesn't really matter," and it's like, if it doesn't matter, um, then why are people willing to put their lives at risk uh, mm -hmm. to make it possible? Well, you mentioned you mentioned Harriet Tubman, and I yes. did want to go back to that yes. really quick because obviously that's the namesake for your bookstore. Yes. And I wanted to know where your personal connection with her story grew from. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't found too many people who don't have a personal connection with Harriet Tubman's story, which I think is pretty remarkable and says so much about 
who she is and how she how she moved on this planet. Um, you know, I remember being really young and being assigned um, the, you know, those projects where you have to become somebody or think right. about somebody in history and embody them in some way. And I remember Harriet Tubman being that person for me from really young uh, and just finding her to be like this, like superhero human being that was doing, uh, you know, just incredible things under extraordinary circumstances. And I think people like that typically in history stand out anyway. Um, but then like her, you know, just being like, you know, Harriet Tubman never learned to read and write. Harriet Tubman was only five foot tall. Harriet Tubman, you know, she, you know, she, she was, had a, a, a what some would call today a mental illness where she had um, sleeping spells and narcolepsy. Um, right. I mean, there was so many, she was beat as a child. She had so many traumatic experiences. And so when you think of people like that and then to still uh, over the course of her life be such a humanitarian, and not right. lose hope in in, in in human beings and and the power of freedom. I just think that's so beautiful. You know what? I hadn't thought about that part before because I thought of all the inspiration and the incredible things that she achieved against the odds. Yeah. But I, I didn't really think about how uh, she was able to maintain hope, like an optimistic uh, yeah. view of the world when I think so many other people um, yeah. would crumble under that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially in the face of um, such hate, right? Like yeah. when, you, when you, you, she got to experience some of the worst of what humans have to offer. There was a, like I say this all the time, there was a bounty on her head and there were dogs on her back. People wanted, people were willing to pay money to have her returned. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to even fathom what that must look like and feel like. And then in the face yeah. of that, to be going back and forth in the dead of winter to save people's lives. I, I right. just, it's just so, uh, it's, it's so poetic to me. And it, yeah. the fact that it happened in real life is just even more, you know, powerful. It makes you want to do something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay. I, I understand that this is not your first uh, bookstore venture that you right. almost opened a bookstore before, but then a disaster got in the way. Um, yes. Can you talk about that? Because I think that's a really interesting story. Yes. So one of my friends was allowing me to sublease his space and that I was going to be able to open a store. And I worked with, and I, I got to shout out Morris, Morris, who um, worked with me day in and day out on the design of the space because I get very into the design of the space. And um, he did painting with me and all of this. And then on our last day um, of all of that, the you can come on in. So the bookstore is still open. Is that okay? That's great. So I'm on an interview, but it's all good. You're good. Um, That's but yeah, great. On the last day, <laughs> on the last, on the, the day we went to kind of like look at the space because we were finally done, um, there was a fire. And the fire department had soaked everything so much to kind of put the fire out that there was no, there was no more space. Hey y'all, it's okay, it's all right. So I'm on an interview, but y'all are fine. Y'all are fine. Y'all are, it's okay. It's totally okay. I love it. <laughs> this <laughs> is even better. And they can see like we're we're really a bookstore. We're really like alive. Yeah, you're a bookstore in action. Yeah, exactly. I love that a bookstore in action. But yeah, yeah. So um, the books that that didn't work out, and that was probably about three or four years ago. And I, I think it was uh, ultimately divine that it didn't work out. Why why do you think it was divine that it didn't work out? Um, I think that um I mean, because based on results, this is this is what happened instead. Yeah. 
think that I ended up in a in a different community with, a, with more space and yep. um, I ended up more mature. I ended right. up, um, you know, with different people around me. So I yeah. think all of that makes a big difference. I think a lot of people would argue if you're going to open a bookstore that there's no room for bookstores anymore mm. um, because we have, you know, online vendors mm -hmm. and what's the point? Mm -hmm. um, but when you opened your bookstore, like half of your stock sold out <laughs> in the first oh, two weeks. So I just want to talk it. about, yeah, well, tell me about uh, yeah. that, those, those first weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so before we opened, we had a soft launch. We 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 opened officially in February, February 1st was our official opening, but all of January or most of January, we were in what we were calling soft launch, where we were letting people come look at the collection, you know, tell me what they thought, you know, ask ask for books, like just giving it a, you know, a vibe. And I had no idea that it was gonna be as successful as it was. Like we sold out everything we had twice before we ever opened. Um, wow. And, you know, part of that was like the Philadelphia magazine came in and they did a story on us. This is before we were open. And she talked about, you know, she kept talking about this vibe, this vibe. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there must be really some sort of vibe here because she just kept talking about it. And right. um, people came and they, they wanted to experience it for themselves. And there are people from then, like a woman who came then in the middle of a snowstorm in January. She was in here the other day, like, I'm still with you, sis. And I'm like, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, thank you. But why do you think we people crave bookstores? Why do you think they crave it? Yes, this is such a good question. And I love that question. I think that, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, storytelling is the essence of what it means to be human. It, it, it's how we connect and communicate and how we preserve, how we preserve our tradition and our history. Um, how else can you go right now and have a conversation with Harriet Tubman? You can open up a book where she is, you know, she speaks there. Um, or you can, you know, like that, that, that is amazing to me. Um, Toni Morrison, who has now transitioned, like, how can I stay in communication with her through her words? Uh, and I, that's why I'm, I encourage everyone who's even listening to this, like, to think about that. Like, if there's any story that you have, and we all have them, like, write that thing down. And when that thing right. hit, you know, write it down, because you might be leaving something for generations and generations and generations to come. And sometimes it's not even about you. It's about the people who are coming after you. Oh Lord, I need someone to burn my journals because I'm- No, don't think for that, that, that will find him. <laughs> no, 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 don't you let nobody burn them journals. Oh, uh, it's good to look back at your own story and Ooh. see how you've grown, yeah. I guess. Yes. But um, here's a, another layer to you though. You're not only opening a bookstore of any kind, um, you're opening a bookstore that features women and especially women of color. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why do that? You know, you can get those books at other bookstores. Why create a bookstore that focuses on those voices? You know, right. um, you know, because I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I never I, I'm as a black woman, as a writer, as a teacher, as a all those things that I consider myself to be. I'd never seen anything like it. And I didn't understand why not. Yeah. You know, why? Why? Why aren't we? Um, you know, you think about the, the amount of work, especially um, folks in my, my ancestors did to, to survive on this planet and in this country. And it's remarkable to me how little we celebrate that work. Right. And I just, I just think, you know, let me do my part. I've never been to um, a bookstore like this, and I'm glad that it exists. And I think that, you know, there was a little seven-year-old girl came in here with her 
her father and they were buying up all the books and I was just like what's going on he was like you know she's doing a school project and I was like okay cool who's she doing her project on Rosa Parks and he was just like no she's doing her project on you and I was like oh whoa that's amazing yeah because someday she wants to have a bookstore and that's what I'm like oh that's you know that's when I say you know it's way bigger than us right sometimes we feel called to do something and it really is not about just you I think we get so we get so caught up in ourselves sometimes when really it's a lot it's the our our purpose is about the the bigger scope of humanity it's not just about me right now and what I want and how I want it that's like yeah. you know, child do you think this journey has been different for you as a business owner because you're a woman yes <laughs> can you talk about that yes yeah I'm a mother right and I think that's a huge that has a yeah. that has a huge bearing on um, how I can move through the world. Because when you're a mother, you have um, the responsibility of not just your life, but the lives of the people you've been um, entrusted with. And so I think that's a huge part of how, I mean, so they, my children have to be a part of this, right? They right. I have to, but they get to. Um, so my son works in here, you know, like that, like that's a part of their, their in Trinidad, they would say brought up sea, <laughs> which is yeah, not an American yeah. word, but a Trinidadian word. And so that's a part of their brought up sea. That's how they were brought up is to be a part of what it is that um, we're building here. And I think that they get that we're building more, like I said before, like we're building a legacy. I would love to be able to pass this down to my children someday. I'm saying it with that way so that I can think and hear me. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Passing it down. I was like, I'm so good. I'm ready to pass it over. Yeah, especially on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> they run it, though. They run this joint. They, there's so many times where I'm like, I got to call them now and find out how to do something because they just right. took over and ran with it. It's interesting to me. You're not just passing your legacy down to your own children, but like that little girl that was doing a report on you, oh, right. um, that legacy is going there as well. Yeah. To I mean, you have no idea. You know, yeah. you have no idea who's going to look at you and be inspired by you and and move accordingly just because of the things that you were courageous enough to do. You yeah. never know. Yeah. I don't, and I don't um, think that Harriet Tubman was thinking that, like, let me do this for the gram so people can look at me and give me a shout out someday. <laughs> you know, let me, let me, you know, run down the South because I'm going to make sure that people know, like, look how good I look when I did it. Like, eh, I don't uh, think so. I don't think that so. is such a good <laughs> reminder so, to everyone that's listening yeah. that sometimes you do something for itself, not yeah, because it's going to yes. look good on the internet. Yes. And the more so you do something that, for there's itself. There's so much that I don't like, you know, like that's just for us. Like, like, wow, we just had an amazing experience over here. And that it wasn't ever about, um, you know, self-aggrandizement or like, right. you know, you know, I, I mean, if I would have th- if I would have thought that the bookstore was going to do this and that someday I'd be doing interviews about the bookstore, I probably would have never did this because I am super shy. Like people don't know, I'm actually very shy. And so it's like, had I known that it was going to be this way, I don't think I would have had the courage. But because I was just like listening to that intuition and really going with it um, and still continue to do that. It, then I, I, it's like it's been a battle between like this ain't about you, Janine. And so if you don't if you don't move out the way and allow yourself to be used, we get somebody else to do it. <laughs> you know, right. so I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Thank you. I got yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's at least how I see it. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. OK, we're back now. So much has been positive in this experience, but you've also 
run against some huge obstacles. Um, Along with many other small businesses in your area, you received a racist and hate-filled email that was meant to intimidate you. Um, But you chose to respond, not in kind, but with demonstrations that were like Mm -hmm. art or happenings. And um, I wanted you to talk about that because I've been looking at the images and they're so stunning. Oh my goodness. It, it, okay. Okay. How do I start? Okay. So I'm sitting here in the bookstop, in the bookshop one evening, probably around eight or nine o'clock. I get an email. I open it and I'm like, what is this? And it's like, I mean, you know, this person is really hate filled, right? Like they were talking about stalking and raping and um, you know, all types of like racial derogatory terms, all types of misogynism, all types of like, you know, like not only just attacking me, but they were like, and your workers. And I'm like, oh my God, I have, you know, I have high school students who work here with me. Right. And so I'm just like, this is like, whoa. Um, and then I, so I called my brother, I called my sister and I thought about like, and said, you know, do you call the police? And I was just like, nah, this is the thick of Breonna Taylor's, um, the thick of the time with Breonna Taylor's trials going on. No right. one still to this day has been charged with this woman's murder. Right. Um, and, you know, folks are expected to like live as though this is this has not happened or as though this doesn't have an effect on who we are, especially as women, right. especially as black women. That is, you know, that that and that is what I'm talking about with the re-traumatization. It's just like you go through a trauma and then they, they re-traumatize you by telling you like it didn't happen. Huh? Right. Okay. Anyway, so this is going on in, in, in the world, right? We had just came back from Louisville, Kentucky, where we were advocating on her behalf. And I'm not, I just don't, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable calling the police, right? I don't feel comfortable calling them here. Like they were just marching with the bulls who were marching in the street, right? With the bats and stuff. So not, nah, I'm good on that. And, you know, what came to me was I want to do a sit-in. And so I call all these people up that are my people. And I'm like, I got this thought. And this is similar. This is ongoing for me. I get these feelings. And then I'm like, this is the this is the intuition I'm feeling. And was just like, I think we need to um, redesign, repurpose what the word yeah. sit-in means. Um, innovate that, right? Because I see a lot of people marching and I have nothing against marching, but I'm like, you know, there are a million different ways that we can protest. And we can do protests that no one sees coming because they've never seen anything like it. Um, and that's what protest is originally supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something that people can plan for. You got the police in the front and the police in the back and they tell you where you, right. can go, what you can do. You have your permission slip. Yeah, and you got to ask. Yeah. Like, mind you, they denied. Nobody knows this. I don't think I said it publicly anywhere, but they denied our demonstration permit, which I didn't want to do anyway. But we were partnered with um, the Community Development Corporation. So they applied for it that morning, the morning of the event. They, they denied our um, um, permit. Which I'm like, right. that's very funny. Like, it's not like it was going to stop us. Um, right. I, I was like, I don't even know why we got to do this, you know, bull, what I consider to be bullshit anyway. But okay, cool. Um, yeah. And so for me, it's just like, okay, in the face of, in the face of hate and in, in the face of emboldened hate, what can you do? And I think you can bring people together. You can, you can make a stand. And we, as sister, we did this, what we call a sisterhood sitting. It was open for everyone always. And we had an amazing experience together. I'm going to figure out a way to share some of the images from this sitting yeah, because dude, dude. it's it was, really gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It was absolutely Yeah, it really gorgeous. was art. It was really, it was really beautiful. I had an amazing experience. Um, they had me, and it's, it's hard for the people listening to un- even understand what it is that they're seeing, but like I, they literally had me fly at the event. 
Um, yes. <laughs> so I am lifted into the sky at this event. And so like there were so many different moving pieces, but it was gorgeous. It was, it was absolutely gorgeous. It happened on a rainy day and hundreds of people still showed up and um, waded through the water with us. And I thought it was it was magical. Did you think that uh, your bookstore journey was going to uh, have you flying through the air? <laughs> No, I told you I'm shy. <laughs> I would have never did this had I known it. I was, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, you know, there's so many people like that have had other impediments. Like I said, Harriet Tubman used to have that narcolepsy where she would fall asleep at any given moment, right? She didn't know when that would happen, right. and people had to be following her. Can you imagine following her to freedom and she just drops to sleep right in front of you? Yeah. And how much trust <laughs> and faith right. you have in order to believe that you're going to make it out of this crazy moment. Um, and so like her and like like so many people, it's like I have a whole bunch of impediments. My shyness is an impediment. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not letting it stop me. Right. You definitely are not because I'm looking behind you at the bookstore yeah. and I see all these... <laughs> Uh, customers, all these yeah. guests. Um, it's, so I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and they're, so it looks it looks like such a wonderful place. So we're in the middle of this crisis and I want to know what's your next dream for this bookstore? What's the next thing you want to do? That's so good. Um, um, <laughs> it's so many things. Uh, one thing right now, we just reopened the space. So we expanded, we made it five times bigger than it was because right at first it was just this one room so we right. got we redesigned our basement um we redesigned the backyard we opened a children's room we made it so that people could socially distance in this space which was a big right. deal for us um and renovations I, I love renovations and hate renovations at the same time and so we just we went through that process all summer we used to take every all the shelves all of the furniture you see in here we used to take it outside um, and we yeah. did that for we did that for the entire summer. We used to build the the bookshop outside on the sidewalk, and so you get to you know you see how we've um, grown. And I think that was important for me for the community to see is that you know we're 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 doing the work. Right. Um. So what's next? Uh, so I, I have a few things. One, I am, I've been thinking a lot about abolition and about Harriet Tubman's work as an abolitionist. And I read The Nickel Boys, which is actually right here. And, you know, I don't know about other people, but for me, I read a book and it just like, it, it, it reshapes me, it, it frazzles me in some ways. And reading that book and reading um, Sing on Buried Sing, I just can't, I can't, I can't fathom the idea of children being in prison at this moment. I just right. can't, I can't fathom the, the, the idea of prison period, but like the idea of like little children being locked up, is just like, I can't, right? And that's at least somewhere where we can start is like, we, you telling me in the 21st century, we can't come up with some way to handle that. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is something we can handle, right? You got people that have gone on, on into outer space, right? You're telling me yes. children that are yeah. little children that are being locked up. Right. Um, and I just can't, I just can't work with it. And so I'm working with some folks on that, on how to do that work and how to use books to do that work. Um, and then I've been thinking a lot, a lot about bringing the English departments at the different universities together because people are calling me. Could you come speak here? Could you come speak here? Could you come speak here? And I was like, wait, right. why don't we work to? Why aren't we working together? <laughs> um, and then people don't have any good answer. They're like, oh well, the universities are in competition. Why? Why are the universities right. in competition? No good answer. And I'm like, okay, so the, because there's no good answer for that, I am hoping that we can galvanize at least 
the English departments at the local universities um, and become a become something of a force. And so that's another project that I'm working on. Um, and then, you know, I'm still in school. <laughs> so I'm writing. So basically you're doing a few things here you know, and there. A little bit, a little bit here and there. We'll and being a mother. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We'll see what happens. Might, they might grow up and be like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> she was the worst but maybe maybe they'll maybe they value it i don't know yet my son's senior in high school he's graduating in a few months so it's like you know i got a few things going on well where where's the best place for people to support you yeah um, where can they give or yeah. uh get involved yeah I, I mean i tell people to listen to their intuition right and so if they feel like they want to buy books of course you can visit harriesbookshop.com um, if you want to visit, you could come here, 258 East Gerard Avenue in, in the Fishtown section of Philadelphia. If you want to share a post or just send a love note, I'm here for it. Um, you right. know, if you, if you if you just, you know, we if we cross your mind, like, you know, send us a, a positive thought, that's cool too. Uh, right. I, I'm really appreciating all of any type of love that we can um it fuels it fuels the whole all of the work. Well, I'm going to be sharing a little of all of that on my story on Instagram and I encourage anybody who sees that to listen <laughs> and to share and yeah. um let's sell out her stock twice um, over again. <laughs> I really appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this and I appreciate you thinking of us. It means a lot. Um, Caitlin, thank you so much for introducing me to Janine because I think for, especially for an inaugural episode, that's what you call it, right? When it's the first one? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think for a premiere. A premiere episode. A premiere episode. I think that you know she how was. Works yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she was perfect. Um, and I just think that she is about everything that we're about. And how did you find, how did you find her? I was watching the Today Show Is that one morning. I don't know. It kind of feels like an old mom thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, and they had a little segment on her and I was like, this is exactly the type of people and stories we want um, to tell on our podcast about women. So then yeah. I sent her, sent her to you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, this is our first go at it. And I think we had a pretty damn good time yeah. doing it. Talked about what? Oh, you can go. And what? We have an Instagram account. Oh, yes, we have an Instagram account already. <laughs> and we're going to share some pictures of um, her bookstore and the events she talked about. And yeah. Some fun stuff. Oh. So go follow it. Yes, go follow She's it. She's a woman podcast. She's a woman podcast, all lowercase, all one word. Yeah. No spaces or anything. And uh, yeah, to anyone who is going to try to get it before we did, <laughs> we did it. Um, so yeah, go visit us there. And uh, also come listen to us here every Monday um, on the She's a Woman podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and review it. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much. We're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of every podcast starting in 2021. But enough about that. It's time for the credits. Do we do it like a little thing where we're like, this podcast was made possible by... Um, sure. You yeah. Can, like, get your podcast voice ready. <clears throat> <clears throat> do I do a Phoebe Judge like this is criminal <laughs> yeah, voice or okay. it'll make you happy? Yeah. 
This podcast was made possible by listeners like you and talkers like me and Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Our cast includes me and Caitlin. It was produced by Caitlin, and then I did it. (laughs) Uh, We have no other friends. (laughs) No other friends. And it's distributed by the amazing Studio 71. That's right. I lost my Phoebe Judge voice. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we love you very much. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's She's a woman. woman. And I'll be with you. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.